Hello everybody and welcome to the final episode of the roles and positions of women in pre-colonial Africa on Zing Sitelawen. Today Mr. Arnold Maibongala will talk about um, how revered women were in the Tuareg community to kingdoms naming themselves after very powerful women such as the Zulu nation referring to itself as Amatania to King Shamba Wolongongo of the Bakuba Kingdom, that's ancient Congo, um, whose council included 14 women, that's between 1600 and 1621 AD. After independence, the African leaders still use those laws, like the Witchcraft Association Act, to say there are no witches, in, or sorry, to say there are no sorcerers in the you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the community, yes. you see? So that is, yes, so that, so that is some of the situations we find ourselves. In. Okay. And there are sometimes disadvantage to women, you see? Yes. There is advantage to, to women, yes. And another case I can give you about the marriage system in Africa are the, are the Tuareg uh, women, the, the, the Tuareg marriage. Uh, we've already spoken about them, right? Yes. Uh, when we speak about the the airship, we say they've got these, uh, they've got these supplementary uh, in 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 inheritance uh, gift. You remember about that? Yes. Um, we we even say they are also matrilineal, right? Yes. And now, uh, so now we are going to see how their women are. What is their position uh, in the marriage system, in, in the Tuareg marriage system? Mm-hmm. So, in the Tuareg, uh, Tuareg um, a woman is not allowed, a, a man or a husband is not allowed to be angry to he, with his wife. So, so, the wife can report him to the traditional authorities and he can be fined for being angry towards her. Okay. You know, so it's a culture, yes. yes. And in most Muslim communities, women wear a veil. Have you ever seen that? Like they yes. wear they wear a veil. Yeah. However, Tuareg women do not wear a veil. It is actually the husband who who cover their faces. I think you have seen that, right? The yes. the Tuareg covering their faces with those scarves. Yeah. You know, they cover their face in, in their head. Those are the Moors. You, you know, you know there, there was a time when you actually t- asked me about the the Moors. The Moors, like, they were wearing, like, the the, 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 the Tuareg. Those are atypical Moors, the okay. Tuareg. Because, yes, because the Moors were, usually they were wearing, most of them, they were wearing those scarves, you know. Uh, 
you know, yeah. And they, they, were, they were Muslims. They, they were Muslims, were Muslim Africans. Okay. Like the Tories, yes. So you see, so you, you, you see, so in most cases, many, many Islamic women, they wear these things. But, but the Tories, it is the man who covers his face. <laughs> and, and, and it is acceptable for a Tory woman to have multiple sexual partners, you know. Okay. Uh, while she's married again. Okay. And it is a disgrace among Tuaregs for a husband to beat up his wife. You are seen as a shameful man for beating up your wife. You know? Okay. And, and in divorce, it is the wife who gets almost all the property. Uh, like livestock and the tent. Actually, the tent belongs to the woman. Okay. So, like in in the divorce, you will find a man getting out of ma- getting out of marriage only with his camel. Like that, like, like he 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 will be writing at that time. Okay. So, so those are the advantages. and and the reason why it is like that. Now, now he, he here comes the question you 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 you, you even ask that why is it like that? You know, sometimes when there's polyandry, this. So the reason is. As much as I, I, I said on the second episode that the Tuaregs, they emanate from the Amazigh, do you remember? Yes. When I said that, mm-hmm. yeah. So they also believe that uh, as much as they come from there, but they come from a woman, they believe that the, the, the person who really united them to, to become a, an ethnic society, an independent ethnic society, was a woman. So the woman is highly, highly respected because it is the woman who gave birth to the Tuareg uh, community. This is why they use the matrilineal because their apical ancestor is a woman. Okay. You see? Which means this woman used her surname towards her children. Yes. And the children are also... So that, that is why you see the women, they've got so much power than men. Okay. Because it's like they are the, they are sort of like the head of, of as, as much as it is a patriarchal society, but you can see that it is also indirectly a matriarchal society. Okay. You see? Yes. So now we come to the next point, which is um, uh, the naming of African kingdoms and, and, and the nations after women. So we do have nations that are named after women. And okay. the fact that a nation and its territory identifies itself with a woman or with the name of a woman speaks volume about how that nation respects and honors women. Okay. I can give you examples. Um, we have got the Zulu people of South, South Africa. So the Zulu people... Uh, they also refer to themselves as the nation of Mtania. In in in, in we say this is the Mtania, you know. So okay. uh, so Mtania was a Zulu queen. She was the daughter of Manila Sbia, and she was the paternal grandmother of the Zulu king Shaga. Okay. So the Zulu they, they identify their nation with a woman. Okay. They call themselves Isisamtania or Umtania, okay. you know, yeah. And then we have got the Shubi people again of South Africa. Um, 
they are also called the the ngelengele or amangelengele or the zawa or the zawa zawa or amazawa or amazawa zawa. So this is the nation where the Nkala family comes from. The Nkala family before dispersal, uh-huh. it was under the Shubi. Yes. So, uh, so they named their nation Shubi after uh, one of their queens or their queen mother at that time. She was called the Lashubi. She came from, from the Bele clan. Okay. Amabele, yeah. So she was called Lashubi. So what happens was this. So the king died. And when, when the king died, um, the great house, or should I say the woman who was supposed to give birth to the heir, had no son at that time. So they used the leverage, uh, so they used leverage to enable her have a, a, a child, right? Or a son. Okay. So, so to make sure that the regent, the person, or the, the regent, or should I say the brother of the late king, should always know that this nation is not his nation, or he's not the leader. He's just a, a, a regent waiting for the actual leader to, to grow up and take his position. Okay. So they said, this is going to be, our, our, our nation is going to be called Amashubi to remind the current uh, King. Uh, leader that, yes, that the, the heir to this throne is going to come, is the son who's going to come from the womb of, of Lashubi. Okay. So, so to, to preserve that, they said Singamashi will be, you know, so that it will always re- be a reminder, you see. To give and back a range to if, the if, 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 if my memory, uh, if my memory, yes. So if my memory was me when the region was called Hatebe, this is where the Hatebe people come from. Okay. You see? Yes, it was called Hatebe, yes. So we also have got, uh, even then, the, the many people are from Zilegas, we call our, our, ourselves umtwagas. I, I, I believe you, you, you know that. Yes. So, yes. So there are many interpretations. I, I like why we are called umtwagas, and one of them that I'm going to talk about now is because they, they say that is from the woman is from a female koi son, or from a female son, or from a female koi woman. Okay. So they say. So they say, you know, because of these endless wars, all fake uh, we are going to talk about them uh, maybe episode. on the next episode or so. Yes. yes. So, so they say there was this uh, female diviner who was a koi son or was a koi or a son. She was called Umuto because in the valley we say the koi people and the sun people that are called Abatwa. Yeah. If if in in singular we say Umuto Umuto, we say she prophesied that. There is a man called Mzilegaz who is going to come and end this war in this territory. So okay. when that thing, so when that re, re, when that thing happened, so they said Umtagaz said this, like saying that the female Kwesan oh, diviner, but said this. Okay. So in order for that to be, so they called the nation. This is a nation of Umtagaz. It's the nation him. of Umtagaz. Yes, that Umtagaz. This is the nation that she was talking about. This is her nation, you see. Okay. So there's also that interpretation. There are many interpretations, but there's also that okay. interpretation. And okay. they say that there are people who believe in that interpretation. It also shows that people can identify. It shows that people identify themselves 
with a, a woman. Uh, they and they are not ashamed the of that. Of some of women. Yes. So it, it, it says a lot about how they view women. Okay. And then um, we, uh, another point would be about governance. You know, governance. Okay. Uh, there are many African communities where women were or are like chief advisors for the kings or they have or they have got ministerial positions in the king's court. You know, so so they are allowed to have higher uh, positions in mm. the society. Yes, okay. higher like decision making positions okay. that can affect the whole community yes. and 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 other communities that interact with that community. Mm. So I can give you a few examples. Um, we have got a, a king who was called Shamba uh, Polongongo, King Shamba Polongongo, uh-huh. uh, of the Bushongo people. Bushongo people, they are in in present day Democratic Republic of, of Congo in Kasai province there. Okay. Yes. So King Shamba, uh, he ruled between 1600 and 1621. Uh-huh. So, so in his council there, he included um, about 14 women in his council. Okay. So it's more like a, a parliament. There were 14 women, yes. Yeah. You know, making decisions there. And, and two of them were his sister. 1600 to 1621. Okay. That is the 17th century, yes. Yeah. Then he's called the Shamba. I can give you the... Oh, no, that's the Shamba okay. is in S. I just wanted to sort of okay. like give a timeline. Oh, okay. All right. Mm. So, so yeah. So, um, two of these women were his sisters. Okay. And one of them, one of them had the power to declare war or peace. Okay. So, she had the final saying with war or So, so the, de- the declaration of war or peace was not on the king. It was so, on his sisters. Okay. One, one of his sisters, yes. Okay. And... So during the time of peace, this sister of hers will be seen, will be wearing a bowstring, you see, a, a bowstring around her neck. Okay. So, so if she wore a bowstring around her neck, uh, it was a sign that, you know, she, she has declared peace. Okay. And during the times of war or in the outbreak of a war, yeah. she handed the, she publicly handed the bowstring to the minister of war. Okay. So the minister of war was, was, was in, in their language, they, they call it Nyepita. So she handed the posting to the Nyepita. Once she hands it, it, it doesn't matter what the king says. It's a sign that it's now time for war. Okay. You see? So that is so much power. And yeah. that thing, um, it, 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 that thing of including women in the... In the, in the Yes, in the in the council there, it continued even after King Shamba was, you know, was late. Yeah. Yes, among the Bushongo people, and then we have got Princess uh, Mkabai. I had spoken about her. I think you remember when I said yes, she was the auntie of uh, King Shara. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a Zulu princess who was the mastermind behind the Zulu throne. Okay, so 
she was born a twin and in Nguni culture twins were viewed as disabled or a case or a case mm-hmm. you see so when she grew up people viewed her as a, as a national case okay but she worked hard to ensure that the Zulu nation stabilized yeah. so, so she was the kingmaker actually and she was the chief conspirator behind the assassination of behind the assassination of King Shara. You see, so King Shara, King Shara's assassination was made possible because of Princess M. Kabai, her aunt. And she saw that uh, Shara had to, to be eliminated because she felt that what King Shara was doing at that time was not uh, com- uh, compatible with the, with the with the Zulu way of of life at that time, okay. when she yes yes, because after the death of of King Shaga's mother, it was around eighteen twenty six. King Shaga died in eighteen twenty eight. These last two years, you know, it seems like he was in a nervous breakdown. You see, okay, which is why, which which is why her aunt, you know, when she conspired with others to say, you know, let's take him out. It was mm-hmm. successful because of yes. When 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 Princess Mkabai says this happens, everything that she she touched it tends to to cold, which is why even someone like my, as mighty as King Shaga, he was assassinated because of the because of the power and influence of of, of Princess Mkabai. Of Princess Mkabai. Okay. And I, I I I even said to you that you know she was the commander of Abakolus. Do you remember when yes. I said that? Yeah. Yes. And she was so powerful to a point that no man managed to marry her. She died unmarried. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe so that, that, that is how me. powerful she was. Yes. Yeah, yes. Thank you. She was people scared of her. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I, speaking of that, uh, I even know of another princess the Ndwandwe princess, the, the Ndwandwe were, were also in Nguniland there. So there was this king called Zwite, Zwite Galanga, Zwite mm. the son of uh, King Langa. She also had a daughter called uh, Matungundu. Uh, this daughter, she was a, a rainmaker, she was a rain diviner. Okay. So she could make the lightning, you know, she could make the lightning like be, you know, she could make the thunder and lightning and people got scared, you know, you know, and no man even dared to marry her. No man dared. She died a virgin. No man touched her. Oh, okay. Matungund. Because they were scared. Yeah. So King, so King Zuita's daughter, Princess Matungundu, was also like a Princess Mkabai. She, she, she was very powerful. That men were so scared of her. So, so sometimes in an African society, in a practical society, there are women who, who are so powerful that men are even scared to marry them. That is how, that, that is their position, that is their role, you know, you know. So, so being a woman does not mean that people are not, uh, being a woman does not mean that you, you are a weakling. You yes. can be a woman and men can be, and you can, you can even conspire powerful things like Shara to be killed. Yes. You see? Mm. Yes. So, and then, uh, in modern Africa, uh, we, we also have women in ministerial positions, you know, in national states. 
some are or were even uh, president. For example, we have got uh, Ellen Johnson, uh, Salif, who was the president of, of Liberia. We have got Josh Banda, who was the president of, of uh, Malawi. We have got uh, Amina Kurib Fakim, the president of uh, Mauritius. We have got Saleh Wok Zeute of Ethiopia. We have, like, currently, we have got uh, Mama Samia uh, Hassan, uh, the acting president of, of Tanzania. So you will see, even in, in, in national Present states, day. they have even taken that. Yeah. Sorry? Present day, we've got yes, some yes, really yes. powerful women in Africa. Yes, yes. So you see, so that that, that culture is, is has been transported, they have been transferred to, um, to, to the modern uh, Africa. Okay. But women have always been powerful in, in those ministerial positions and they have influenced the kings. And I also believe even in the household, you know, women uh, are also influential. Even if the final decision can't go, is, is, is taken by the men. But in most cases, he would have been uh, advised or influenced by the woman there by the bedroom there. We we call it the bedroom politics, you see. <laughs> so when the man comes out and 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 and, and they shout and do all those things, and the woman is 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 sitting there as if she's not involved, she she has been uh, influencing the whole man the whole night, you see. And in the morning she acts as if she, she knows nothing. So women are like so African women are like the shepherd. Do you know how a shepherd leads a a, 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 a livestock? You yeah. know how a shepherd does, yeah? Yes. So, uh, yes, a shepherd leads from behind. Yes. Being behind does not mean that you, you are, are not powerful. So women, just because they're not, they're, they're not because the they're not, uh, yes, in the front, yes, but they are leaders in their own terms. Yes. And in, in terms that we feel that they are, be, they are being misinterpreted. They are, are so powerful, you know. And in, in, in many cases, Sometimes if a woman says no to a man, to an African man, you know, the African men sometimes can re- respect that. But if a, if a woman says yes, the African man becomes empowered, you know. Okay. And I think this also happens even in, 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 in some other communities, which is why we maybe we have got things like behind the, what they say, behind the, a successful man, there's a woman behind. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, something along those. So it means maybe it's a universal thing, yeah. you know, that women women are empowered, but their power is misinterpreted or, or is not being um, is not being recognized the way it must be recognized by the people. Yes, and the last um the last point I can talk I I I I, I can present is got, has got to do with languages. So. Women are the custodians of languages they are, they, they, that are found in their communities. You see? So language is very, very important because in, in, in social identity. It's, I think it's the most important thing in someone's identity to say, we are this because we speak this, you know. Yes. Of course, language cannot be determined one's identity or ethnicity. But oh, okay. language plays a very big role in identity. And women, they are the ones who are the custodians. They are the ones who teach the young children, who teach the children the language, you see? Yes. 
they are the ones who are always with the children. And, and I've got evidence to prove that a woman can affect the... Uh, hello, are we together? Yes, yes, I'm listening. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought, yeah. Okay, anyway, I, 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 I'm going to give, give you some examples that a woman uh, can affect a language in a society. We have got... Um, the Ngoni people, I, I believe you know them, right? Mm-hmm. They are found yes. in Malawi, in Zambia, in Tanzania. Yes. The, the Ngoni people, they are from present-day South Africa as Ngoni people. Yes. Actually, to, to say Ngoni is actually a corruption of, of Ngoni. They are Ngoni people. Okay. So they moved as men. They moved as men during those wars, you know, those infected wars that yes. we are going to talk about. They moved as men because they were from a war. So mm-hmm. they they had uh, fewer women, so now they had to have women. So they so they started to raid other people, getting women there, and they started to have children. But the children, if you go today to to Zambia, to Malawi, no, to Tanzania, mm. they can't even speak. They 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 can't they can't speak Nguni, but they are Nguni. They've got Nguni names like Masego, Zulu. They've got many Ngunis uh, names. Yes. Chele, they've got Chele. Yes. So, but, but, but if they, they, they can speak their language because the, the presence of a Nguni woman was not there when they, le- when, when they left. Okay. And it, it affected their, their language, yes. yes. So they've got their, their names. Uh, they've got their father's their names, but they've got their mother's they language. Their languages. Okay. <laughs> and, and then... It, and then you tell me that women are not powerful in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you see, so, so they are the custodians of, uh, of language. Uh, of, of language. I think even universal, because I think in English, they call it mother tongue. You yes. know, my, my, the language that I, I speak, they call it the mother tongue. Oh, the mother tongue. You see? Okay. So, yes. So, so, so it means maybe if some, some of these aspects we see, in, in, in African women. It's like we, we, we also see it even in other continents. They are universal. See. So, mm. they are universal, yes. So, as much as we are speaking about African women here, we are actually, about, we are actually speaking about women throughout the whole world. Yes. Which means many people must listen to this podcast because as much as it is directed to African people or it talks about African people, however, it talks about everybody, yes. you see. You see, yes. Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, that is the end of my presentation today. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Ankalai. It was a pleasure to listen to some of the stuff that you you, you told us about, especially uh, the most interesting for me was the, was the sororities. I found that very interesting. Oh, the sororities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And... Wow, yes, yes. We look forward to the next podcast. Like we said, uh, on the next podcast, we'll be talking about Ufekanes or the dis- yeah. displacement yes, yes. of uh, the Zulu nation. That concludes today's um, session. Thank you very much for listening and uh, thank you so much for your support. To Mr. Anna of my Wong and Gala, thank you. We appreciate your 
your hard work. And um, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please uh, don't forget to share with your friends, subscribe on our YouTube channel or TikTok, or follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.